Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of access. And we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. And we thank you that we can call you Father. May Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. We thank God for the gift of life. It's really a privilege to be discussing and sharing God's word because the Bible said that a time would come that there will be a famine of the word of God. So it's a privilege that we be able to share fellowship in his word. We are beginning a new series on spiritual gifts as stated in 1 Corinthians 12 because I know people would say they either gift in Ephesians or either gift in Romans, etc. But our focus is on 1 Corinthians 12. So this series is going to be a perusal of 1 Corinthians 12 from the verse 1 to the part that talks about the spiritual gift. So our title for the new episode is Spiritual Gift. And I would like to encourage everybody who is listening in for the first time that you have already done a series by Who Told You. It's a six-part series, so I encourage everybody, if you have not listened to it, you could get it on the Telegram channel. Because I may be making references to some things said over there. So now let's start. First Corinthians chapter 12. So we are starting from the verse 1. This one is an introduction. So today's only the part 1. First Corinthians 12. A topic on spiritual gifts, the part 1. So first, I would read the whole passage before I take it one by one. I will read it in the King James Version. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Christ a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. For unto one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worked that one and the same self-spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. So we are just taking from the verse 1 to the verse 12. Looking at it verse by verse, I'll be using a lot of translations just so that we could get a broader meaning or a better perspective of what actually Paul was communicating to us because every translation has its own weakness. And as we go, we would see. So I'll be switching between King James, Basic English, ISV, AKJV, and etc. 
I would have used the mystic version, but I'll just stick with basically these ones. So now we want to start. The first Corinthians 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I would not have you ignorant. Now, depending on the Bible translation you are using, you would either notice that one, gifts have been italized, or the word gift is not part. And for some of them, you see it's spiritual gift. Now, the reason for these variations is that in the manuscript, in the original writing of Paul, the verse goes like, now concerning spirituals, I would not have you ignorant. How do we know if you are privileged to have the King James Bible with the Strong's numbers? You would see that the verse reads, now concerning spiritual, and every word has a particular number attached to it. But when it gets to the gift, there is no word. It was actually in the original manuscript when Paul was writing, there was no gift there. But the translators put it there, and you see it in italics, meaning that it's not what was originally said, but it was placed there to give a better meaning to what the writer is saying. And now this is important, because we would realize that the verse is actually saying, now concerning the spirituals, or now concerning spirituals. So Paul was talking about things pertaining to the spirit. And those who are a little bit into Bible study, you will realize that, or you will notice that the Greek word used for spirituals is pneumaticos, which means things pertaining to the spirit, things that do not have to do with the flesh. So now the first thing we should know in our study on spiritual gifts is that it is not something that is stimulated by the senses. It is not something that is activated by our flesh, but it's something that pertains to the realm of the spirit. It's something spiritual. And the word there is pneumaticos, things pertaining to the spirit. And he's saying that I would not want you ignorant about these things. Now, most believers, if I should say to you, the normal Christian, we think spiritual things are meant for those in forefront of the ministry. And by that, I mean those who operate in the office of the pastors, the preachers, the evangelists, and the rest. So for me, as a normal Christian, I don't see why I should know all these things. But Paul is, should know that Paul was not writing this to Timothy or to Titus, but he was writing it to the church of God, to the church of Corinth. So if it was a letter to Timothy, you could have argued that Paul was writing it to a pastor. If the letter was to Titus, you could have made that argument. But now he was writing it to the church at Corinth, letting them understand that concerning spiritual things, it is not just meant for a select few. What you like to call the spiritus or the papas or the mammas or those who have a call of God as in a puppet ministry. But anybody who is a member of the body of Christ should not be ignorant concerning the things of the spirit because the Christian work is not a work of the flesh. But many want to shy away from these things. It's as though if we know about these things, we are going to be pastors or we are preparing for ministry. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that any member of the body of Christ should not be ignorant concerning spiritual things, concerning things pertaining to the spirit. And today we'll be focusing on the gift that the spirit brings to us. That's the verse one. He's saying that concerning spirituals or concerning the pneumaticals, concerning things that are pertaining to the spirit, every believer whose work with God means something to him or her should not be ignorant concerning these things. Now, the verse two is saying that, now, let me use, so I'm switching. Let me use the basic English. It's saying that, okay, let me read the King James first. The King James is saying that, Know ye that ye were Gentiles, carried away by dumb idols, even as ye were led. They sound confusing. Let me go to the basic English. It says that, You know that when you were pagans, when you were unbelievers, when you were without Christ, 
when you did not express faith in Christ, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Paul is telling us that before we accepted Christ, we were led by idols that cannot speak. So we were living in the realm of assumption. So if if you know a little bit about, particularly we as Africans, you notice that when malaria strikes and mosquitoes are giving everybody malaria and everybody is dying of malaria, the fetish priest or the shrine or the spiritual guru at that time will just wake up and say, hey, the gods are angry with us. The next time, hey, somebody has committed a crime. The next time, hey, there's an abomination. So we need to pacify the gods. The reason why, the reason why all these things were happening is that because the idols that they were following were mute idols. These idols could not speak. So everybody was living in a realm of assumption. But Paul knows that in our Christian work, we don't live on assumption. God clearly tells us what he expects from us. So now Paul is saying that, one, we should not be ignorant concerning things pertaining to the spirit. And the realm of the spirit is not something we assume about. But there are protocols in the spirit that have been clearly stated in the word of God. So we don't live on assumptions in Christianity. We don't assume things. That is why Paul prayed that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. God doesn't leave us in, 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 in mysteries, if I should say. There are some things that pertain to God, and those things are just for Him. But concerning our walk here on earth, He doesn't leave us in shadows. He has made everything clear to us by giving us the Word of God and by giving us the Holy Spirit. Now, the verse 3, let me read the King James. It says that, Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God will call Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is getting us deeper. He's letting us know that we should not assume things concerning the Spirit. And he's saying that one of the cardinal things about things pertaining to the spiritual, things pertaining to the pneumaticals, they should always exalt the person of Jesus. It's very important. It may sound very basic. But he's saying that the first thing you should know about the spiritual, the first thing you should know about the pneumaticals is that it should exalt Jesus. It should emphasize Jesus. It should not say that Jesus be a cursed. So let me just read a different version. ISV, it says, For this reason, I want you to be aware that no one speaking by God's Spirit can say Jesus is a cursed. Or Jesus is cursed, sorry. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Everything about the spiritual that is in line with God should exalt the Lordship of Jesus. And don't worry, as we go to the operations, we, we will see how this is very important. Now, let's go to the verse 4. It's getting interesting. So now, remember it says concerning spirituals. But now the verse 4 is saying that there are diversity of gifts. So this is why most of the writers put the word gift besides spiritual in the verse 1. Because though he said he's talking about the spirituals, he now gave us, a, he now broke it down and saying that, what exactly about the spirituals am I talking about? He's talking about the gifts that are from the Holy Spirit. And now I would like to define gifts as God's investment. But before that, since we are now we are doing a little bit of Greek and Hebrew, it's important that we know that the Greek word for gift is charisma, which means gifts of grace or special endowments. So if you are going to define spiritual gifts, they are simply gifts of endowment by the spirit or from the spirit to a man so i personally would want to tell me i want to tell spiritual gifts as god's investment into you 
the investment that God makes into your life are his gifts to you. Now, it's important that the Bible uses the word gift. It means that it's not something you attain or it's not something you are awarded with. Meaning that your gift to one, one, it means that your operation in spiritual gifts is not a sign of maturity because it's a gift. You do not attain to it. That's the first thing we should know. So in our local palace, we say, I dashed him, or I dashed him 10 cities, or I dashed him $10. So God dashes us some things. So Paul is saying that we should understand that these things we are talking about, they are God's dashes to us, God's presence to us. So these are not a sign of maturity. The second thing we should realize is that they are gifts, meaning that we did not manufacture them. If I give you a car, you did not manufacture the car. So you should acknowledge the fact that whatever endowment or whatever graces you have, it was a gift unto you. It is a gift. Now, just to, to, to chip this in, if you read Ephesians 4, the Bible says that and he gave gifts unto men. Let's read it since it's a cardinal point. I want us to take note of something. Because I know some people who ask us about um, the, this ones too. So let me just say this now. Ephesians 4. Let's start from the verse verse 8 just read the verse 8 then you skip to the verse 11 so the verse 8 is saying that why he said when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men he gave men gifts and what were these gifts the gifts are what is stated in the verse 11 that apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers now let's note the important difference you know these are officers now, there's a difference between spiritual gifts and spiritual offices. Now, the difference is that with these spiritual gifts, as stated in 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Ghost gives them gifts. So we have the gift of prophecy. We have the gift of faith or the gift of tongue speaking. But in Ephesians chapter 4, the one we just read, the human being themselves are the gifts. Let's take note of it. He says he gave gifts unto men. And what were the gifts that God or Jesus gave when he led captivity captive? The gifts he gave were apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. So the human being himself or herself is the gift. But in the one we are discussing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the human being is not the gift, but the human being has the gift. So that's the main difference between the gift and the office. Let's take note of this. So with the gift, we have been enabled to do something. But with the offices, they enable or they are enablers. That's why they prepare us for ministry. So the human being or the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, that human being is the gift of God to you. It's important that we know this thing. So now let's go to the next verse. So I didn't even finish with this one. Now we're saying that there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. So we say, don't get it twisted or don't get it confused. He doesn't have just one gift. He has several gifts. So don't say that because you have a particular gift and somebody doesn't have it, that person is not spiritual or you are not spiritual. There are various gifts that the Holy Ghost gives. So meaning that you won't get the same gift as somebody else. So don't use your gift as a standard or as a, as a measurement to judge somebody else's, if I should say, performance in the spirit. No, there are different gifts. They are not just one. There are several gifts. But all these gifts are stemming from the same spirit. Now, the verse 5, it's saying that there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Now, we are going a little bit Greek and, he- and Greek and Hebrew. If we, if we look at the Greek word for administration there, it's diakonia, talking about service or ministry. 
So what Paul is telling is that there are different ministries, there are different services, there are different administrations, but it's the same Lord that we are serving. Because, you know, sometimes we have a way of thinking that how the Holy Ghost or how we serve God is the only way that there is to serve God. But Paul is letting us know that, one, there are different graces, there are different charisma, there are different endowments, but all these different endowments come from the same spirit. There are different services. So some are serving in the prophetic way, some are serving in, in, in tongue speaking, some are serving as singers, some are serving as all these things. So all these services exist in the body of Christ. But it is the same Lord that we are serving. The verse 6, it contains a lot of stats. It says that, and there are diversity of operations. This is the part I think I'll dwell a bit on. It says that there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which is working in us all. Now, what is this saying? So now let me take the gift of, let's say, prophecy. Like I'm, I'm on a prophecy too much. Maybe God is giving me that gift. But taking the gift of prophecy, how somebody would decide to flow. So you talk about different operations, different styles, or different means of communicating this endowment. But regardless of all these diversities in operations, diversities in flow, it is God who is working in all of us. And you would realize that there are different teachers in the body of Christ. I wouldn't want to mention any name. Before somebody gets offended, I have not mentioned my purpose. Name. So if you look at how Pastor A teaches the word, listen, you have about five different teachers of who operate, who have the gift of teaching. Everybody's way of teaching is not the same. Somebody would like to give his presentation in points. Somebody would like to give his presentations in stories. Somebody would like to give his presentations in scenarios. Everybody has a way they flow or the way they operate in their various gifts. But don't get it twisted, sweetheart. It is God that is working in all these people. So don't say that, for example, for me in particular, I'm not really a music person. I, everybody likes music, but it's not something that some people say that music is personal. So for example, there are some preachers that before they go and preach, they need somebody to come and sing for them. They need a minister to come and set the spiritual atmosphere. For me in particular, it's not, I don't really, it happens to me, but for me in particular, one of the things that stirs me up the most is when I listen to the word of God. So most often before I go and minister, I have a particular sermon I'm listening to. So maybe I'm going to preach. I have my earpiece with my phone. I'm listening to a particular sermon. I'm, I am stirred up quicker listening to the word of God to music. So I wouldn't say that because for me, the word of God stirs me up quicker. The person who is being stirred up by music is not being used by God. No, there are different operations. And if you just take a look in the body of Christ, you will see that we have different teachers, but all of them, their style of ministry is not the same. You have the black Americans who like to go with background music. I don't want to give any example, but they have a particular flow. The Bible says that in the beginning that was the word. And somebody will be like, no, 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 this thing is not biblical. No. We have people who also want to be like Jonathan Edwards, who will write a sermon down with his thick glasses and will be like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only. That's how he wants to flow. There are some people who will be screaming and shouting. But don't get it twisted when people are operating under this same gift differently. It is the same God who works in them all. Now, with this same point, it's important that we understand that we are talking about spiritual things. Spoke said concerning the spirituals. Now, it's important that we note that one of the greatest hindrances to the flow in the spiritual is the flesh. 
In fact, nothing quenches the spirit like the flesh does. And it's important that we understand because many a times when we are operating in the spiritual, we are able to easily switch to the flesh. And the most common example we know is Peter in Matthew chapter 16. After Peter downloaded a heavy loaded revelation that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, in the next few verses, it was the devil who was speaking through him. So you see how quickly we are able to switch between the spiritual and the flesh. And it happens a lot in our churches. I don't want to be personal, but taking, for example, the music ministry, somebody can be ministering, and maybe the person just starts, and the person hits a particular note, and everybody begins to clap. The person can be carried away by the applause in the congregation and automatically switch into the flesh. Now, the person is now more focused on the, I don't know the music terms, but I think on the modulation or so, that's the way they call it. So now, instead of them focusing on being in tune with the spirit, they're now doing a display of the flesh. So they now do showmanship. So the person may have started in the spirit, but now because of the applause the person is receiving or because of the, 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 the screaming in the crowd, then now the person enters into the flesh and it can happen quickly. And this is what happens most of the time. I believe everybody who has ministered one way or other has experienced this thing before. So most of the times we like to use the, the reaction of the crowd or the reaction of the audience to determine if God is in the flow or if God is in the service. Please, no, we don't do that. So let me take, for example, Michael Jackson. When Michael Jackson is performing, people dance and shout and scream. Are you going to say it's the Holy Ghost at work? Obviously not. But as, as, as believers, we should be aware of this, that one of the greatest hindrances to the flow in the pneumaticus, in the spirit, is the flesh. So now, what happens that when you are ministering, so I'm using the music ministers, for example, when they begin to sing, and they, everybody is lifting up, and people are shouting and screaming, they can easily switch. And now what happens is that they no longer focus on ministering Christ. Remember we read in the preceding verse that when this spirit is speaking, it would exalt Christ. So now what happens is that because of the applause from the crowd, we no longer focus on exalting Christ. We now focus on exalting our abilities, our skills, and our voice capabilities. Even the Holy Spirit, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak of himself. He will not advertise himself, but he will speak of that which he receives from Father. So even the Holy Ghost himself, when he's on show, he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't promote himself. He exalts Jesus. How much more you, the vessel, being used? So what happens is that mostly when we are in flow, it's very easy for us to switch between the pneumaticus and enter into the flesh. And now it all becomes about drama. It all becomes about promoting ourselves, promoting our brand, promoting our style. And it's important that we take note of these things. We should learn in our ministration of the Spirit how to decrease and how to increase Christ. We should learn when we are flowing in the Spirit how to minimize our abilities and let the Holy Ghost flow within us. It's very important that we know these things. Because sweetheart, you can start in the Spirit and end up in the flesh. So now it becomes more about drama. It becomes more about showmanship. It becomes more about flex. It becomes more about advertising your abilities. No. Remember, the Holy Ghost's primary aim is to exalt Jesus. So whichever period in your dispensing of the gift of God, never put yourself above. It's all about Jesus in the manifestation of your gifts. I really want to emphasize on these things, or on this particular point. It's true that there are different operations. It's true that there are different styles. But are you exalting Jesus? Or are you exalting yourself or your gifts? 
You know, sometimes maybe you give a prophecy, then you call somebody forward, and you be like, are you Amma? Are you born on this date? And you realize that, hey, your prophecy was accurate. Maybe the person says, oh yes, man of God, they are correct. Automatically, that applause from the person can switch you into the, into the flesh. So now you forget about the fact that you are supposed to exalt Christ, and you're not starting to boost about your abilities. You're not starting to do a display of your, of your capabilities. And you're not about to show the, the congregation your dark record of accurate prophecies. No, learn to reduce whilst you exalt Christ when you are flowing in your gift is very important now the verse 7 it says that but the manifestation or the display or the performance of the spirit is given to every man to profit with <laughs> let me use a different version before people start getting funny meanings just to help us clarify what you're trying to say now let me use the net version it goes to each person the manifestation of the spirit is given for the benefit of all. Other version says for the common good of all. The reason why the Holy Ghost gives you these abilities is to be a benefit to the body of Christ. It is not to manipulate people. You know, many people manipulate others with their gift. The gift of God or the charismata of the Holy Ghost. People don't like are not comfortable with Holy Ghost. So let me say the Holy Spirit. It's given for the profit of the body of Christ. It's given for you to contribute in the building of the body of Christ. It's given for you to be profitable in the body of Christ. It is not given for you to lord it over people, nor to manipulate people. But it is given for you to help people. It is given for your profit. It is given for your advantage. That is why it's important that every believer should know or should partake of this charismata, of this grace, because spiritual gifts are our advantage in this life. You know, people in this world, their advantage is money, or their family background, or their educational ability, or their beauty. So somebody's beauty gives her an advantage. Somebody's academic brilliance gives that person an advantage, or their family background, or their educational ability. Spiritual gifts or things pertaining to the spirit is what gives us advantage. So we don't have confidence in our family background. We should not have confidence in our academic accolades. We should not have confidence in our beauty. We should have confidence in the deposit of God in us. These gifts are given to us for our advantage. So what advantage do we have in the exams room above somebody else? We have the Holy Ghost who can teach us these things. What advantage do we have in, in investments? So maybe now you have money and you want to invest. Now the issue is where do you invest your money? Because of this advantage, you have the ability to discern things. So now that gift of discernment is your advantage. So anybody may be investing in bank A or bank B. Because of this advantage, you have the ability to discern things. So now that gift of discernment is your advantage. That is why every believer, every member of the body of Christ should not be ignorant of these gifts. If not relegated to the so-called papas or the mamas or the spiritual people or those who are training to become ministry, no. So if you are a believer and you don't flow in any of these gifts, you are putting yourself at a disadvantaged position. And as we look into the various gifts, we will see how all these various gifts gives us an advantage. So for example, the gift of working of miracles is for advantage. The gift of healing is for advantage. So whilst people are going to spend huge sums of money at the hospital or at the pharmacy, 
you are given the gift of healing and it's for your advantage. That is why the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to all men for your advantage. That is the verse 7. And then the verse 8 is when we now look into the various gifts. And I believe most of us are aware that mainstream Christianity or generally people like to categorize these spiritual gifts. As stated in 1 Corinthians 12, there are nine of these gifts. And let me just check this in. It's interesting to know that there are nine spiritual gifts and there are nine fruits or there are nine elements of the fruit of the spirit. So there must be a balance. Let me, let me just keep that. That's just extra bonus. But in spiritual gifts, there are basically nine as given in 1 Corinthians 12. And we have grouped them into three depending on how they manifest or how they operate. So we have what we call the revelatory gifts. The gifts that reveal things. Then we have the power gifts. And we have the utterance or the inspiration gifts or the inspirational gifts. But I won't go into that. I just want to pause here. Then God willing, in our next episode, we will now look into all these various gifts, one after the other, and we'll see how they give us an advantage. At this point, I would just like to pause and see if anybody has a question or a contribution. I myself have a question. <laughs> so if anybody has a question, you could kindly ask your question. Yes, um, Bele, you can ask your question. Okay. So when you were um, speaking, you said that Spiritual gifts are not for the matured, but it's for every believer. And then it's not dependent on your maturity in Christ. But then um, I remember I was told to pray and fast for spiritual gifts. And I think I did. I don't say I was very faithful, but then I prayed. But then I didn't really see any sort of visual manifestation of spiritual gifts. Of course, I know all I have experienced is the speaking of thanks. So I didn't see the hours. So please, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, before I, I make an attempt to answer, does anybody want to try? Okay. Yeah, Ben, you can try and answer. Yes, Ben. All right. Okay. So um, personally, I think praying and then fasting, reading the word of God. All these are, should I say, indices that help us to grow spiritually. Yeah. So if you are asked to pray and then fast or study the word of God to get these gifts, then it's in the right sense. And that's the only way that you can actually get them. Like you can mature in the spirits by praying and then studying the word of God. That's um, Apostle said in Acts chapter 6 verse 4 that they give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Yeah, so so once you are maturing in the spirit, I think it opens you up to receive a lot of, or it opens you up to mature in the gifts that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, just to clarify something, I don't know if I give an impression that you need to be matured before you can get this spiritual gift. What I actually meant to say was that um, your manifestation or your possession of this spiritual gift is not a sign of maturity. That's to say that to maybe out of the nine spiritual gifts, I operate or I have nine of them and you have two of them. Because I have nine spiritual gifts and you have two, I am spiritually matured than you. No, 
that's what I meant to say. I don't know if I didn't give if I didn't state it clearly. Spiritual gift is not a sign of your maturity in Christ. So you don't use your flow in spiritual gifts to determine how mature you are or how mature somebody is. That's what I wanted to say. So I don't know if I didn't say it properly. So spiritual gift is not a sign of maturity. Your question has to do with how then do we get this spiritual gift? I would want to dive into it fully now because it's, it's going to be a series on its own. But just to answer, there are two things. The Bible says that he gives these things as he wills. You get it. But Paul also tells us that we should desire spiritual gifts. So now it's as if it's, it's saying two contradicting things. If the Holy Ghost is going to give it to you as he wills, why should I desire it? Because if I desire it and he doesn't plan on giving it to me, I'm wasting my time. No. It's rather complimenting it. In what sense? Nobody wants to give food to somebody that's not hungry. Because if you give food to somebody that's not hungry, the person will end up throwing the food away. That's what Jesus said, that you don't cast your pearls before swine. Because if the Holy Ghost should give you the gift of healing or the gift of working of miracles, and you never desired it, you will end up abusing it. That is why there is this general notion that people who are, or this, not even a notion, there is this thing, there is a general trend that children that are brought up in rich homes are unable to live up to the legacy their parents have set for them. Because they didn't work for these things. They didn't contribute, if I should say, in the achieving of, of these things. They were just ushered into it. So if you do not desire these things, so it's a balance. The Holy Ghost is going to give it to those he wants to give it to. But there's an index he looks out for. He looks for people who are hungry and thirsty for this spiritual gift. That is why they will tell you to read and pray and do all those things. What you are doing is that you are increasing your capacity. You are increasing your hunger for these things. Hunger is a, is a language in the spirit. In the sense, the Bible said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are those who will be filled. The Bible said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So God doesn't just give food to people who are not hungry. No. So it's a balance between the two. You must have an intense desire. So Paul uses the word covet, covet earnestly. Do you know what it means to covet something? It means to last after it. So Paul is saying that if you want a spiritual gift, last. I think I'm already talking about how to get these things. But just to answer your question, let me not talk further. Let me just put a pause here. We will have an episode where we talk more into this. So it's a balance between the Holy Ghost giving it as a wills and you being desirous of that particular gift. The two must complement itself. But just to repeat, the possession of spiritual gift is not a sign of your maturity. It's not a sign of your maturity. So any other question or contribution? Yeah, Ben. Okay, my question. Yes, I want to ask if there is a link between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then the um, the gifts of Jesus Christ, the Son, as is said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that was. Like, let's say if you have the gift of prophecy, can you grow into the office of a prophet? I don't know if I'm taking us further ahead. Okay, okay. Well, Ben has just introduced another topic. There are some groups that have defined some things as the of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of Jesus. It was from 1 Corinthians 2, we see that these ones are the gifts of the Spirit. And in Ephesians 4, and when he led captivity captive, he gave gifts, so we call them the gifts of Jesus. Obviously, somebody in the office of a prophet has a gift of prophecy. Obviously. And as I said, 
these offices, the main difference between the office and the gift is that in the office, the human being himself is the gift. So the human being has progressed from just having the gift to him now being the gift. That's what gives them a level of authority in the operation of the gift. So when we're talking about, when we're having our study on who told you, um, I believe the episode on prophet, I made mention of this, that the authority somebody in the office of a prophet carries is different from somebody in with just the, the, the gift of prophecy. But obviously, so you can see that obviously the gift or the office is higher, or let me say it's above the gift. So you will grow into it. You will progress into it. You may be called into the office of a prophet, but the fact that you have been called into it doesn't mean that you are there now. You must mature into it. So just to answer your question shortly, because all these things are things, for example, um, and the various offices are topics that you consider in other series. So I don't want to spill out all the beans now. Okay. So as usual, we want to take a word of prayer, something to pray on. But before that, I would just like to remind you that believer, whether you consider yourself to be in a pulpit ministry or not, as long as you are a believer, you should not be ignorant concerning the pneumaticus. You should not be ignorant concerning the things of the spirit. It is not meant for the pastors or the preachers or whatever. It's meant for every member of the body of Christ. And these spiritual gifts are for the profit of every believer. Do not use your gifts to manipulate people. Do not use your gifts to lord yourself over people. Do not use your gifts to exert spirituality over people or maturity over people. But these gifts are given for you to be a profitable member of the body of Christ. And these gifts are for your advantage. Our advantage is not in our family background, but in our gift. And we should always be mindful when we are operating in our gift not to deviate from the spiritual into the flesh. Don't cut the flow of the spirit when you start ministering or when you start flowing in your gift just because of the applause people are getting. Now, I would like to leave this question and I'm hoping to answer it in our next episode. When we are in church and there's a manifestation of the spirit, how would we know to maybe we are in church, the pastor is preaching and somebody just stands up and the person starts singing or start shouting, how would we know that this manifestation is of the Spirit? And I would want you also to share your comments on our discussion channel. And I'm hoping that the next week, I also give, or we also give our thoughts on how to help us identify when there's a manifestation in the church, how we can know if these things are of the Spirit or of the devil. So we would like to just pray. Remember when we were talking about our topic, we made mention of the fact that the Holy Ghost himself doesn't even advertise himself. He's here to advertise Jesus. He's here to make Jesus real in your life. He's here to exalt Jesus in your life. All about the Holy Ghost is Jesus. All about his work in our life is to reveal Jesus in our life. We want to pray to God that in every way, in every day, in all our day-to-day living, we would exalt Jesus. For Bible says that for by him, that were all things that were made, both visible and invisible, for all things were made by him and for him. 
Jesus is the universality and the centrality of all things. We want to pray to God that Father, in our day-to-day living, in our speech, in our thought, in our manifestation of these gifts, may we not advertise ourselves, may we not give room for the flesh, but may we magnify Jesus, may we exalt Jesus, may Christ alone be exalted in our lives, may we not use our gifts to lord it over people, may we not use our gifts to manipulate people, may we not use our gifts as a form of, of, of payment. So we tell people that if I give you a prophecy, come and show thousand cities. These gifts are given for us to be of service. Father, always remind us that the purpose for this gift is to exalt Jesus. The purpose of this gift is to bring people closer to Jesus. The purpose of this gift is to strengthen our work with Jesus. The purpose of this gift is to emphasize, is to, is to advertise Jesus. Father, may we never be carried away in the flesh in our operation of this gift. Father, may we never advertise ourselves. May we never be carried away by the plotters of men. May we not seek to please men, but may Christ alone be exalted. Father, may Christ be the reason for our living. May Christ be the reason why we do what we do. May everything about us be motivated to exalt Christ. May we continue to decrease even as He increases in our life. May Christ alone be exalted in the name of our Lord Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God bless you all, and I hope. that you would be around for our next episode on spiritual gifts part 2 we'll be starting to look at the gifts one after the other and i hope and i believe that there will be a blessing do not be ignorant for sending this thing and they are not just meant for the spiritual people but they are meant for everyone in the body of Christ have a blessed evening and see you same time next week bye bye, bye.